it was easy to grow the business from 25 employees to 90. And I loved it because all I did was stuff I was good at. I never did anything I wasn't good at. And in fact, I was completely out of day-to-day operations because that wasn't my skill. This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will help you escape the Wall Street casino and build wealth on Main Street by investing in real estate. I'm your host, Taylor Lotes, and today our guest is Josh Patrick. Today, we're digging into why most business owners will not be able to retire just by selling their business. We also dig into what it takes to fire yourself from your business to create teams and systems and the different stages that businesses need to go through in order to reach the scale so that the owners can walk away and the business will run itself. There's a ton of great knowledge in this interview, especially for those of you out there who are business owners and are planning your retirement. For those of you who own real estate businesses and are looking for a way to get yourself out of the day-to-day grind and hustle of running a real estate business. So once again, so much knowledge, you're going to learn a ton. I know I Once again, I'm your host, Taylor Lode. I'm a real estate investor, and I focus on multifamily and self-storage investing. If you'd like to learn more about potentially investing with us on a future deal, just go to investwithtaylor.com, fill out the form, schedule a call, and I will look forward to speaking with you soon. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. That's when we're here. That's when we're doing it. Once again, our guest today is Josh Patrick. So much knowledge in here for the business owners out there who want to plan your retirement, build some passive cash flow, and just fire yourself from your own business. Let's go. Josh, thanks so much for joining us today. I'm really excited for our conversation. You have some really interesting ideas that we'll get into. But before we do, can you tell us a bit about yourself and your background so that our listeners are familiar with you and your business? Sure. I am one of those people who is unemployable. So I've been working for myself for the last 40 years, almost 50 years actually now. But the first 20 years of that, I owned and operated a food service company where we fed people in factories. We grew that from one part-time employee up to 90 employees. And from there, I went into the life insurance world, which led me into the wealth management world, which led me into the coaching world, where I now coach people who own private businesses, who are primarily over 50 years old, been doing it for over 20 years, and we help them double their profits in one year without losing sleep or working 60 hours a week, are never being able to retire. So that's what our purpose is these days. Very important. I love that. And a lot of our listeners out there are business owners. I've spoken with many of them myself looking to create wealth and create their retirement. And You were telling me before we started recording about how most business owners actually will not really be able to retire through their business. And that that sounds kind of dire. Can we dive into that a little bit and talk about why not? Yeah, yeah, it's really easy. Here's the thing. A business is worth a lot to you as an owner, as an operating entity. For example, let's say you have a business, you have a construction company and you're paying yourself $150,000 a year, and your business makes $200,000 per year. That's a nice business, nice lifestyle, good cash flow. You probably have somewhere between eight and 10 people working for you, maybe as little as five, depending on the type of work you're doing. So it's not a very big business. It's not a very complicated business because there's not a lot of moving parts. But when you go to sell that business, 
and you have a business that's making $200,000 a year, and let's say you hit a home run for a construction company and you can sell it for five times profit, that's a million dollars. A million dollars sounds like a nice amount of money, but that million dollars you don't get to keep because you got to pay taxes. You're probably going to have expenses with someone helping you sell the business. You're going to have accounting fees. You're going to have legal fees. So you're going to lose, let's say, 40% of the business through taxes and fees, which is pretty typical. Now you've got $600,000 left. And if you work with a financial advisor or financial planner, they're going to say you can spend approximately 4% of your nest egg every year and be safe. Well, 4% of $600,000 is what? It's $24,000. Now, if I'm living on $150,000, I'm not retiring on $24,000. I won't be able to retire. So let's take a look. Now, we have a tool we call the four boxes of financial independence. That's box one, the value of your business. $24,000 a year in money you can spend. Let's look at box two. That's your qualified retirement plan. Let's say you're putting away $30,000, $50,000 a year. And let's say it's $50,000 a year because you're making $200,000 and you can afford to pre-fund your retirement. So now I've got $50,000 a year. I'm going to put it away for 20 years. I'm putting away a million dollars, which is not going to be paid taxes till I use it. And with growth, it's probably going to grow to $1.82 million. So now I'm retiring with a retirement plan of $2 million, and 4% of $2 million is $80,000 a year. So I take my 24 and my 80, and I add it together, it's $104,000. Guess what? We're still short on being able to retire with the same lifestyle we had when we were running our business. So that doesn't seem to be a very attractive thing. Now let's look at number three. Let's say I have a, a building that's got a 20,000 square foot building, and let's say that building is worth a million dollars just for fun. It might be worth more, it might be worth less, but let's say it's worth a million dollars. So now I'm going to retire. Someone comes in and takes over my business, or maybe they don't take over my business, and we just close the business down. Now I have this asset that I can rent, and I'm renting that for, let's say I'm getting an 8% market cap, that's $80,000 a year. So $80,000 a year with that, and then $80,000 a year with my retirement plan, and $24,000 a year for my business gives me $184,000. Now I can afford to leave my business. And in fact, I become financially free from my business because my business worth zero. I can still afford to retire and move off into the sunset. Now, you, if you're 50 years old and you buy this and you have the discipline not to refinance your building, which is a problem I see happening all the time, in 15 years, that building is completely paid off. You're probably going to get more rent than you got when you started. That million-dollar building you bought is probably worth a million five, maybe a million seven. So instead of $80,000 in rent, maybe it's hundred and ten dollars or $120,000 in rent. And it goes up by the CPI every single year. It's a great retirement asset, and you might as well pay yourself rent versus some other person that you build no value. So in many cases, the value of your building from a cash flow point of view is worth significantly more than your business after you leave it. While you're running it, it's not. But after you leave your business, it's a huge value. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And in that light, it sounds a lot like Business owners, like everybody else, really needs to plan ahead for that retirement condition and not overvalue 
for their business when they're calculating what their retirement needs to look like, right? Well, it'd be nice if they planned ahead, but most business <laughs> owners true. don't. So let's say we're not planning ahead and we're just going to go straight ahead. We might as well pre-fund our retirement through our 401k plan because we can put 50,000 bucks a year into that. And if I'm making 200, I should be able to carve off 50 for myself. And if I just buy the building that I operate my business in, that's kind of a no-brainer. You don't really have to think awfully hard about that. It's a way to add value and stop paying rent to other people, pay rent to yourself. Absolutely. So it was a four-box strategy, right? I think I only counted three. There was the Right. There's a, the well, other, the okay. fourth box is other investments. So again, we take our business owner. All businesses should have an emergency fund, which should be about six months of cash that you need to run your business. So let's say my business cost me $500,000 to run for six months. I want f at least $500,000 in the other bucket. And I want to have it available for me if I need it. So instead of investing in the stock market, I might just buy a CD with it. And maybe I can get that up to a million dollars and I'll keep my $500,000 in a CD and I'll put the other $500,000 in the stock market. Or maybe I'll take the other $500,000 and buy more real estate with it. That's just plain rental real estate that I'm going to rent to other people. So it gives you a lot of opportunities that you're carving money off while you're running your business. That's the real key here is that you can't take all your money and reinvest it. And I know that's supposedly your best return, but it really isn't. When you look at the terminal value of your business, when it gets time to sell. Now, there is 1% of the businesses in this country. There's about 8 million businesses that employ people. About 80,000 of them can actually sell their business and ride off into the sunset. But that's the minority. If you're in a blue-collar business or you have a business that employs 5 to 20 people, you're probably the business. So your business is not going to be especially saleable. And the challenge comes in when you go to sell your business is that only 50% of businesses that go to market ever sell. So if you actually wanted to sell your business, you have to do something called making it sale ready. Now, sale ready doesn't mean I'm about to sell my business. It just means I've created a business that other people want to own. And the most important thing that you can do is you make yourself operationally irrelevant. It means that you're not involved as the business owner and the day-to-day -day operation of your business. You know, the real estate business is famous for what they call passive ownership. Well, it's easy to pass a real estate business from one person to another, and you can be operationally involved in that real estate business, and it'll be very saleable because the property is what you're selling, not the business. But if you have a business, let's say you're a construction company, and you're in there doing the bids, and you're out there meeting with clients, and you're actually swinging a hammer occasionally, and every all the decisions flow through you, you don't have a saleable business because without you, there is no business. So that's where the difference is. What kind of business do you have and can it operate without you? So what is the metric that folks should look for in terms of like thinking about their businesses, whether it can run on its own? Is it I can step away for a week and nothing changes. I can step away for a month and nothing changes. Is it reasonable to think, should I be able to step away indefinitely and nothing changes? Or is that kind of maybe just too much of an unrealistic stretch goal? Well, you can, for the most part, I have a client that has 400 employees and they're doing close to $90 million in sales. And he shows up every once in a while. He's got an incredible president that operates the business. 
He worked strategically with the president and with the other key executives in the company on building strategy. That's all he does. Wow. Occasionally, he'll go out to see a customer because he wants to, not because he has to. So he could essentially, he has essentially built a business where his involvement is a couple of hours a week. And that's possible to do. It's difficult. And, and he's built a really good investment portfolio. He's become an expert investor. Now, he owns all the real estate they operate their business in, which is millions and millions of dollars in real estate. So that's still, they're still using that, that leg of doing that. He's probably got, I don't know, a half a million square feet, which is worth something like 30 or $40 million all by itself. And again, when he passes the business on to his children, which is what his plan is, he has a huge amount of revenue coming to him through his real estate. So the value of the business is completely irrelevant. Even at that level, he has become financially free from his business because his investments and his real estate portfolio allow him not to care one bit about the value of the business. So that's been transferred to his kids. So in terms of setting the business up so that it can run itself, I'd imagine teams and systems are the lion's share of actually creating a business that'll run on its own. But I think a lot of business owners that hold themselves back, get afraid of making that investment or feel that they don't have the cash flow to support, especially those early hires to scale. What's your opinion on that and how much, especially early profitability factors into the ability to create a business that runs on its own? Well, at that point, it depends what stage your business in. I mean, if you're really in the beginning stages of a business, there's no opportunity for you to learn how to delegate and there's no reason to do that because your real your main driver at that point is revenue, period. You're chasing the last deal you had, and you're chasing the next deal you had. And often you go into the hills and valleys where you sell, and then you got to deliver, and you forget to sell while you're delivering. So you run out of business, you got to start self-selling again. And eventually you figure that out. That's not a very smart idea. And you're fully full with your work at 70%. So you can spend 30% of your time selling all the time. And you learn to smooth out that sales. That's stage one. Stage two is now you're going to say, okay, how can I go about marketing? How can I set up basic systems that run the business? And that business owner has systems, but they're all in their head. They've never documented any of those. That's where we teach people to use checklists. Checklists are the most powerful form of systems there is in the business. They're easy to put together, they're easy to use, and they're not complicated. You want to keep it simple. And once you start doing that stuff, then you move into the most difficult skill a business owner learns. And this is typically where you have around 10 to 25 employees, where you start to learn how to delegate. And it's the most difficult skill a business owner will ever learn. Most of them never learn it. They give up and say it doesn't work. And that's why their businesses stay small. That's why they never become operationally irrelevant, because they don't trust their people and they don't tolerate mistakes. They're the only ones that can make mistakes in their company. And as a result, everyone's scared to make a mistake. And when you delegate, they keep coming back saying, what do you want me to do, boss? What do you want me to do, boss? You're not delegating there. You're just working with a bunch of helpers. Everything still runs through you. You're still the bottleneck. So that means becoming comfortable with allowing people to learn and make mistakes, but also trusting that they'll learn as they make mistakes and not getting too thrown off by those initial 
promise. Well, there, there is a system okay. behind that. We have two systems there, which we call the stage two delegation process. And the first piece is what we call EIAA, which stands for inspect, accept, set an expectation with whoever you're delegating to. They start doing the work, you go inspect it, and then you accept it. Except that the first time you inspect, I can guarantee it's not going to be done the way you want. So then we move into the second part of the stage two delegation process, which is inspect and adopt. You might be being too loose in your inspection. You might be being too tight where you're being a, a helicopter manager or you're micromanaging everything, or you might be an abdicating manager where you're never checking in. You go back three weeks later and say, oh, it wasn't done right. I can't delegate. I can't trust this. So there's a, a rhythm that you get to learn, and it's from you making mistakes and learning from your mistakes and admitting that this is a hard thing to learn and often having a coach help you through it is a really good activity. I can tell you that the hardest thing I ever learned was how to delegate. I had a coach that worked with me and was helping me, and I actually ran into him 30 years later and said, you were the worst client I ever had. <laughs> yeah, my, my podcast, I said, well, I'm sorry, Steve, but you know, I, I learned after you left that I can't yell at somebody every day. That wasn't a very good idea. And so I learned to delegate, but it was a really difficult thing to do. And I was not good at it at all. It took me about three years to become good. But once I became good, it was easy to grow the business from 25 employees to 90. And I loved it because all I did was stuff I was good at. I never did anything I wasn't good at. And in fact, I was completely out of day-to-day -day operations because that wasn't my skill. Still isn't. So stage three being delegation, what comes after that? I mean, if that's the, the hardest step, then is there anything after delegation? Yeah, then there's systematizing, then there's fully systematizing your business, which is everything you do, including innovation, which is a systematized process. We like to use a, a, a program called Scrum, which is used in the software world to build software, but it's an unbelievable project management tool. And if Scrum is not appropriate, and there's a lot of business that's not, then we help people install what's called a theory of constraints, where you're looking for where your bottleneck is in the business and fixing the bottleneck. This stuff really all comes out of W. Edwards Deming's 14 points, which he wrote in like 1932. So it's been around for a really long time. It's the basis of what the Toyota production system is, which is lean manufacturing. And for almost all your listeners, lean manufacturing is overkill. We would start with this theory of constraints, and then probably, if, if appropriate, we would move into some sort of a scrum process. So that's level four. Level five is essentially, what's your legacy going to be? Because when you get to level four, you're running a business that's pretty much on all, running on all cylinders. There was a management consultant named Ishaka Dizis, who was a professor at USC, and he had this lifestyle of corporations. When you get to level five, you're basically, your business is running a primal. The business is, is firing on all cylinders. So how do you know at any stage when it's ready to, when you're ready or the business is ready to progress to the next one so you're not getting too far ahead of yourself? Or is that even the right idea to have, right? If we start from the very beginning and think about, okay, how can I build a team around this? How can I build systems? so that I can eventually step out of it and just put someone in my chair. Are we getting ahead of ourselves and going too far ahead? No, not really. There's two, there's two systems I would advise you to use, and we use both. One is by a friend of mine, Mike McCallowitz, who wrote a book called Profit First, 
which is a great book, but it's not his best book. His best book, in my opinion, is Fix This Next. And in there, he has the hierarchy of where you are and what you should be doing next. And it's a great tool to do. It's based on Maslow's hierarchy and needs. The other methodology, which we use a lot, and we don't use 100% because we think it's about 80% right, and we've added 20% ourselves, which is uh, the Entrepreneurial Operating System, otherwise known as EOS, which uh, Gino Wickman developed in his book, Traction. And those two books, if you just use those two books as your guidepost on how to create a business, you're going to be about 80% of the way there. Neither of them deal with delegation especially well. My first book, I go into that relatively deeply, which is called The Sustainable Business, How to Create a Personally and Economic Sustainable Business. And it's written as a story, as a novel. And you learn about how the owner of the business was never delegating and learn how to delegate and what happened afterwards. So it's kind of an instruction manual, but it's really, delegation is one of those things where Having a coach, whether it's group coaching, where you're working with a group of people together, you can do that through YPO, Vistage, or just individual group coaching programs, or a one-on-one coach, which is more expensive, but you'll get there faster. And those are all processes that we recommend is that the question I ask a lot of times, I say, if the best athletes in the world and the best musicians in the world and the best dancers in the world and the best actors in the world all have coaches why don't you? It's a good question. It's a good question. I mean, I, you know, I just, there are tons of very good business coaches. Finding the right one is really, it's a, do you fit well with them? People who work with me have to be able to put with Blunk because I am not very subtle when I say, hey, we need to work on this. It's, we need to work on this. And you can say, no, I'm happy with that, but I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you. And for a lot of folks, that doesn't work well. First-generation business owners generally like my style because they like they don't hear the unvarnished truth from anybody, and they like it. Interesting. Well, Mike has been on the show. We haven't managed to get Gino yet, but maybe one day we'll get. <laughs> yeah, I hear he's tough. Mike is much easier to get on the show. Well, it's been great having you on the show today. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. Are you looking for a way to easily track your rental property finances? Check out Stessa. Stessa makes managing real estate investments simple. You can easily keep track of the performance, finances, and the paper trail of your rental properties. Our listeners can get started for free and then upgrade at any time to unlock their more advanced tools. And the even better news is that the upgrade is very affordable and will not break your bank. Smart investors know that tracking the numbers, tracking the money, tracking the finances is what really drives your success. Check out Stessa. It'll make your property finances easier. Just go to escapingwallstreet.com, scroll down to the Stessa logo, and get started for free. Now back to the show. All right, Josh, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? I'm ready. Great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? Best investment I ever made was in my my food service businesses because we actually sold that business for a relatively good amount of money. I was able to save it, move into another career, and that grew to being enough for me to retire on. I was a terrible real estate investor. Almost all my real estate investments bombed on me because I didn't learn until too late what you need to look at for real estate. So I wish my real estate did better, but I broke even on it. I didn't make any money. Interesting. So I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't ask what you learned that you 
needed to look at, but didn't look at in those real estate investments? Cash flow, cash flow, cash flow. If the property doesn't create positive cash flow from day one, do not buy it. Simple enough. Well, we had the best investment. Now we go to the other side of that coin, the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made? When I had my food service business, I decided you had a catering division. I wanted to keep busy during the wintertime. So I decided to open a restaurant so they would have some place to work. Little did I know that a restaurant with 50 seats, I should have known this, but I didn't do it. I never did a proper analysis, will not run as an absentee owner operation profitably. So he lost a ton of money on that thing before he closed it down. Fair enough. And restaurants are a tough business to get into no matter what. Well, we were good. I mean, we're in the food business. So it wasn't like I didn't know the food business. It was, I didn't say you need 125 seats if you're going to run an ab absentee restaurant and be successful. Fair enough. Well, my favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? I already talked about that. That was learning how to delegate. So the most important thing you're ever going to learn as a business owner if you ever want to grow a business, and this includes real estate, by the way. Uh, if you get into a real estate where you're having 12, 13, 14, 20 properties with a crop property management crew, you got to learn how to delegate and manage people. So if you want to grow your business to be a significant business, where that business has the chance of making you operationally free if you sell it or when you sell it, then if you can't delegate, you'll never get there. Well, Josh, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing all of this knowledge. If folks want to reach out, if they want to get in touch, they want to find your book or anything like that, where can they track you down? All this stuff is on my website, www.sustainablebusiness.co. That's www.sustainablebusiness.co. And if you're interested in learning about our Financial Freedom Accelerator, which helps people figure out what strategies they need to do to become financially free from their business, you can learn more about that by going to www.sustainablebusiness.co forward slash freedom. That's www.sustainablebusiness.co forward slash freedom. You can learn more about it. And if you like the idea, set up a time to talk with me and see if it makes sense for you. Awesome. Well, thank you once again for joining us today. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind. I appreciate that so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys. That gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street Casino along with us. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Right now, I hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye. <laughs>